I'm Darrell Owens, and this is A World of Difference. Our program celebrates and supports families rearing children who think and learn differently on their life journeys from kindergarten through college. A World of Difference is an educational outreach program of Beacon College. The Leesburg, Florida School is America's first accredited college or university devoted to educating students with learning disabilities, ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning differences. So let's get this episode started. Jack Canfield, co-author of the Chicken Soup for the Souls series, once observed that, quote, self-esteem is made up primarily of two things, feeling lovable and feeling capable, unquote. Low self-esteem doesn't play favorites, but it can betray fondness for children with learning disabilities. And because school-based learning programs are created for the masses, meaning neurotypical children, a child who learns differently may fall victim to believing he or she isn't as smart as their classmates. And this belief comes with baggage, shame, doubt, and feeling different. When children with learning disabilities fall into that trap thinking, they may link their performance and ability to their self-worth, as they no longer feel worthy of respect or love from others. That can result in them dodging homework, withdrawing from social activities, or acting out. Bewildered parents wondered, how can I boost my son's self-esteem? How can I teach my daughter to cope? How can I celebrate my child's strengths? On this episode of A World of Difference, we'll meet a pair of Charlotte, North Carolina brothers who learn differently, whose parents have been all in with helping bolster their son's sense of self-worth and supporting their journeys toward abundant lives. Next, we dive in deeper on the sources and methods of bolstering self-esteem with an esteem panel of experts in our Ask the Experts segment. Finally, we'll introduce you to this month's Difference Maker, a Stanley Cup champion who is now scoring even more points off the ice, chasing his goal of helping dyslexics like him find their footing. How can parents avoid damaging the self-esteem of a child who learns differently without even realizing it? Are there actionable steps that parents can employ to bolster self-esteem? How can parents recognize when low self-esteem is taking root in their child? We'll provide answers to those questions and more coming up momentarily. But first, research shows that children with learning disabilities are more likely to suffer from lack of self-esteem than their peers. Parents and the educators at the schools children with learning disabilities attend can provide an important buffer against forces that can easily wither a child's flowering self-esteem. In this month's Family Matters, we visit the Hadley family of Charlotte, North Carolina, whose two sons are feeling lovable and capable with the help of their parents in their school. Here is special correspondent Andrea Childress with the story. Meet 17-year-old Wilson. He is gregarious beyond uh, what I can describe and loves to chat people up. And 11-year-old Broward. He is always up for an adventure. If you ask him, do you want to do it, he always says yes. Two normal, everyday kids. I like to build things and create things. I like to draw. I play basketball, flag football, 
lacrosse, swimming, tennis, golf. I do a, a lot of activities with family and hopefully getting a job this fall. Who were both diagnosed with their learning differences when they were in kindergarten. Wilson has moderate to severe dyslexia, ADHD, reduced working memory, and a benign essential hand tremor that affects his ability to write. He was already accepted to Charlotte Country Day. He was a kindergartner there. And so basically they put in a bunch of things to help him and support him while he was in school. He was very aware. Very aware. He was very, was very aware painful. of, of yeah. everything. And, and of course for us, that was difficult because we'd go into first grade and all the, all the uh, kids had put their, their art up on the wall. They were showing it off. And unfortunately, you know, Wilson was like, yeah, there's mine, but it's not very good. It was really hard for him to sit there and know that he was not, you know, making the grades and, and doing what he needed to do to be successful. Cheryl and Will learned about the Fletcher School in Charlotte, North Carolina from Wilson's teachers. The teachers and the counselors started really getting on Cheryl and me to you've got to do something, you've got to, we've got to find a way to help him. And we'll always be appreciative of, of the way those teachers and counselors helped us find Fletcher. Fletcher's a school where differences are, you know, they're not only accepted, but they're embraced. Everybody there gets what they need. The Fletcher School is a school specifically for students with learning differences. It offers small class sizes and teachers with specialized training to meet the students where they are. The director of admissions, Susie Culp, said once she gets everybody arrives here a little bit wilted. And so just watching him, you know, come out of that and blossom over, over the years has just been just incredible. Cheryl and Will say getting Wilson into the Fletcher School helped them in turn give Brower the support he needed when they discovered his own learning differences. Brower has benefited by not having to really get crushed or wilted, if you will. Um, so he's you know, not only enjoyed academic success at Fletcher, but social success. Brower has difficulties with processing speed, and he has mild speech difficulties. Whenever I talk, I, my S's are kind of like slushy. Identifying these diagnoses early on made all the difference. I myself have dyslexia but they didn't find it until I was in the junior in high school, I was 16. To be able to get someone tested before, you know, early um, and sort of see that there's an issue is monumental. The Hadleys strive to build self-esteem and efficacy in their boys by encouraging them to try new things, traveling frequently, and intentionally celebrating their successes. They're gonna have tough times. They have certain challenges. We want them to really give everything a try. That's what my mom always impressed on all of me and my siblings. You should try anything once. You don't have to do it again, but try anything once and see how you like it. And we've lived by that. One of the big things that you know I've tried to do with both the boys is travel and expose them to just as much as I possibly can. I'll encourage them to also perform in the talent show at school which they are like oh they don't want to do it but all the peers support all the kids that you know take are brave enough to get up there and 
I know it feels so good to my kids. Wilson and Brower have both told us we want to go to school. And that was just, you know, to us, everything you could ask for. With their learning needs met, the boys feel able to pursue their hobbies and interests without fear of falling behind. I want to be a builder or like an architect so I can build buildings. I really want to start a business in video game designing and stuff. Like, and then like one of my friends at school made us released a single, and like I'd love to like help him out and you know do bass on his on his songs and probably try to make a name for myself. You know, I'm not smarter than people, but like. Most people with the learning differences are smart. You know, I know Wilson has a lot of tools now that he can use throughout his life because he understands what he can and can't do, and, and, but he understands how he can get where he wants to be uh, using the tools that he's been given. No matter the challenges the boys may face in the future, they have been equipped with strong foundations, both in the classroom and outside of it. Reporting from Charlotte, North Carolina, for A World of Difference, I'm Andrea Childress. Thanks, Andrea, for that uplifting story. Now, let's explore the ins and outs of self-esteem with experts in the know. Today, we're joined by Tiffany Calderera, Dana Stahl, and Janet Wolf. Tiffany Calderera is a learning specialist at Beacon College where she provides academic advising while primarily helping students develop a sense of self, advocate for what they need to learn, and strengthen study and academic skills necessary to succeed as collegians. Formerly a varied exceptionalities teacher for Lake County, Florida Public Schools, teaching diverse learners in kindergarten through second grade, she also served as a developmental specialist and family service coordinator in the infant learning program for the Alaska Center for Children and Adults. Calderera earned a bachelor's degree at Southern Oregon University, a certificate in leadership education in neurodevelopmental and related disabilities for, from the University of Alaska Anchorage, and holds a master's degree in special education from the University of Alaska Fairbanks. Dana Stahl, who learns differently, became a learning specialist to assist children with learning issues and finding compensatory strategies to reach their social, emotional, and academic potential. Stahl's practice, Educational Alternatives, LLC, focuses on educational advice, advocacy, and school placements. Recently, she wrote The ABCs of Learning Issues, a practical guide for parents to help them further understand their children's learning, attention, and anxiety issues. This book bridges the homeschool gap by demystifying areas of concerns and captures how parents and educators can work together guiding children to reach their full potential. The ABCs of Learning Issues is available in English and Spanish through Amazon. Janet Wolf is head of school at the Ideal School of Manhattan, New York's only K-12 independent inclusion school. Prior to joining the Ideal School of Manhattan, Wolf spent 13 years at St. Paul School for Girls, a 5th through 12th grade all-girls day school in Maryland. She began as an English teacher then English department chair, then academic dean, and associate head for academics. 
She joined IDEAL in 2016 while also being trustee of the online school for girls, where she served as chair of the education committee and a member of the finance committee and worked to promote the mission, development, and brand recognition of this new school. A graduate of the University of Pennsylvania, Janet also earned a master's in education from the University of Pennsylvania. Joining us in studio today is Tiffany Calderera, and joining us by Zoom is Dana Stahl and Janet Wolf. But our first question today will be to Tiffany. Self-esteem is a term that has various meanings, and particularly when it applies to students with learning disabilities, I'm wondering how do you define self-esteem? Well, simply put, I look at self-esteem as a way that an individual assigns value to their abilities and their skills and often looks at how other people may, as they think, look at them too. So in the case of academic self-esteem, a student would be looking at their academic abilities, looking at how other people might be seeing their academic abilities in their opinion, and how successful they are in the academic environment. Thank you, Tiffany. Our next question goes to Dana. Why are students who learn differently more prone to experiencing low self-esteem? Students who learn differently are more prone to experiencing self-esteem because they are unsure of who they are as learners. They tend to use their peers as barometers to assess how they're doing in class, and they realize that they are not as quick to raise their hand to perform mathematical calculations without the use of pen and paper, or maybe able to memorize spelling words, dates, and facts with ease. These students tend to be unsure of themselves and their ability to perform academic tasks commensurate with their peers. They're not risk takers, and their reticence to complete assignments from initiation to completion of tasks under, is undermined by their learning differences. Thank you for that. Our next question goes to uh, Janet. What are some of the signs that low self-esteem has crept into a child's school life? Any expressions of self-doubt, a change in a child's attitude about their classes or their activities or friends or teachers, sleep sleeplessness or sleeping too much, struggling to start or finish homework, any, any sort of procrastination really can be a sign of self-doubt. Also, if a child who has always been easygoing in school is suddenly getting into trouble and talking out in class, that can be a sign of low self-esteem. Or if you're noticing that a lot of your child's teachers are mentioning that they're not participating in class, that can be a sign as well of low self-esteem. Um, and it's really good to talk to your child and see how they're feeling if any of these signs or symptoms occur. Well, thank you. Well, Tiffany, here's another question for you. Um, how easy is it for a parent or even a trained teacher to inadvertently uh, chip away at the child's self-esteem with language they didn't intend to use? I would say, being that we're all human <clears throat> and there could be a day where we're stressed, hungry, tired, this could lead us to a moment where we communicate um, something that could be perceived by the student to essentially impact and bruise their self-esteem. 
It's in that power of communication that through reflective practice that parents and teachers can try and identify what the experience is for the student and recognize that maybe what I just said by saying you should work harder or you should stop being lazy, maybe recognizing anytime you use the word should, uh, you've taken the wrong step towards uh, impacting negatively a student's self-esteem. So through that power of communication, a parent or teacher can recognize where they made the wrong step and take ownership saying, you know what, I just, I can't believe I said that, that was the wrong thing to say, let me try this again. And to recognize that they can now positively impact the self-esteem of that student by owning that mistake and also recognizing the student's experience and showing the student they're resilient and so is the teacher or parent. So a comment like, use your brain, how, how damaging is something like that? I would say inadvertently, while you might be frustrated, it's a sign more that that parent or teacher is frustrated, not that that child needs to use their brain. So the child, of course, will take it personally and it will make them feel like their ability is being perceived by that teacher or parent as that they don't have a brain. Mm. So then is the moment to repair and say, I can't believe I just said that. I must be so oh, impatient right now. Let me try this again. I know you're using your brain. All right, well, thank you. Well, the next question is uh, to you, Dana. How important is having realistic expectations and goals for your child? Parents are their children's best advocates. They know who they are as individuals and as learners. And having realistic expectation and goals for your child is essential in order to maintain a healthy balance between what they can easily achieve and what tasks prove to be more difficult. Educational expectations need to be aligned with understanding your child's strengths and vulnerabilities and the academic demands placed upon them. By having realistic goals for your child, success is obtainable and individual progress is secured. All right, thank you. Janet, while not ignoring a child's differences or uh, deficiencies, how important is it to give equal uh, or even more time to the child's strengths when you're dealing with that child? That's a great question. It's absolutely essential to give at least equal time to a child's strengths. For example, if your child loves and excels at sports or arts and enjoys outside or school-based activities in these areas, make sure they can continue to have those opportunities to shine. Not every successful adult was an A student in school. Teamwork, collaboration, creativity, and emotional intelligence are all equally essential building blocks for happy, healthy, and productive growth and adulthoods. I also recommend asking your child how they view their own strengths, both in and out of school. Ask your child how you as a parent and how their teachers can build upon their strengths. A strength-based approach will validate your child's individuality and help them to feel really empowered and want to work hard and learn rather than feeling defeated by what is challenging. 
the more your child can articulate their strengths in and out of school and the more you acknowledge your child's strengths in and out of school, the better they'll be able to advocate for themselves and to really understand their learning style while taking joy in the activities um, that they love and maintaining their positive self-esteem. How important is it in helping uh, your child to understand the nature of their learning difference? Is this something that you as a parent should regularly bring up and address or do you downplay it? It's a good question and one to really think what does the nature of the word disability, um, what value is assigned to that? And it kind of is a way of saying there's a lack of ability here. So while I think the language around advocating for oneself involves the word disability and deficits and kind of where there's a recognition of a lack of skill, it's first important, just like Janet said, to focus on strengths and build that foundation where a student understands that well before they understand the concept of disability. So it is important to educate children around their abilities in learning and how they learn and then to later teach them what exactly this means in the larger society so that they can advocate at the workplace and at the school for what they need. Thank you. Dana, on A World of Difference, we feature difference makers on every episode, and these are people who learn differently and who have found some measure of success. Is researching and finding examples of people who share the same challenges that your child does uh, to offer as role models, as encouragement, is that a good strategy for parents to try? Absolutely. Having role models as a source of encouragement is always helpful. And finding a mentor who has walked in your shoes and who has experience some of the same challenges that your child is experiencing is invaluable. At different points in a child's life, encouragement may look different, but what remains the same is that the mentor is able to help define their individual skill sets and then help to foster to develop them. Uh, children who identify with role models who can relate to some of the specific challenges that your child is experienced, allow them to see that the day will come where self-confidence and personal success can merge together within their profession. Thank you. Janet, what does it take for children with specific learning differences to overcome the challenges they face and achieve their full potential in the classroom? It's really important that children with specific learning differences receive scaffolds and differentiation targeted to their particular needs. Think of scaffolds and differentiation as a ladder helping an individual reach a higher item on a shelf. Many students need written as well as verbal instructions, large assignments chunked or broken down with specific instructions and smaller deadlines, visual prompts, and audiobooks. You might request also assignment sheets from teachers to help you support even older children at home who struggle with executive functioning. Also, almost all students, but especially students with learning disabilities, benefit from clearly articulated goals and opportunities to practice and revise. 
Revisiting assignments builds a growth mindset that's essential for success in the face of challenges and allows students to gain both confidence and mastery as they realize improvement over time. Well, we're going to close out with this final question, and it's uh, something that I want to hear from each of uh, our guests today. Uh, what are some actionable steps that parents can take at home to restore or build up their child's self-esteem? And uh, I guess the first uh, crack at this will go to our in-studio guest, Tiffany. Uh, really good action steps parents can take is to join in their interests, uh, well, the child's interest alongside them. Not just observe, say, in a team sport, but also to have the opportunity to get into the engaged activity that the child is taking part in. So much can be gleaned from this experience, from seeing all their strengths, how they are excited about learning and engaged in an activity. And that also tells the child that your mom and dad, the center of your world, value you very much and find this interest also very interesting. Thank you, Tiffany. Next to you, Dana. Uh, let your child know that as individuals and learners, each of us have specific strengths and vulnerabilities and assure them that there are many ways in which to measure success and that we seek progress, not perfection. Uh, another example may be to uh, demonstrate to your children how to smash the task or break things down into manageable components. And this helps them to create a sense of ownership and accomplishment in achieving small segments of an assignment, which lowers anxiety and allows for the successful completion of assignments and tasks leading to improved self-esteem. Thank you, Dana. And last word to you, Janet. I think it's important to spend time engaging your child in a conversation about their life goals and their strengths. Children think a lot about goals, just as we do as adults, and they want to feel that they have a hand in setting their own course and guiding their own progress. I recommend helping your child list ways that they can use their strengths to accomplish long and short-term goals while taking time for their favorite activities. Also, similarly to what Tiffany was saying, I recommend making sure every day includes time for fun and celebration as a family, even if it's reading before bed, cooking dinner together, or visiting your favorite yogurt store together. Connection with your child is really their greatest asset and will provide them with great confidence and a deep reserve of strength to draw upon throughout their lives. And that time you spend with them, even if it's not doing anything academic, it will just support them and buoy them throughout any challenges they face in the future. Tiffany Calderera, Dana Stahl, and Janet Wolf, thank you for joining us and thanks for the wisdom. Do you have questions about learning differences? Are there concerns you're facing daily in your journey with learning and attention issues? We're happy to answer your questions on air. Sign up via our website, awodtv.org, to have your questions answered during our Ask the Expert segment on an upcoming episode of A World of Difference. Now, let's meet this month's difference maker. Growing up in Saskatchewan, Canada, Brent Sopel 
suffered humiliation and lived through some of the worst moments of his life in the classroom when called to do something he just couldn't do, read. But he didn't know why. His self-esteem plummeted. The only place he felt comfortable and accomplished was on the ice. Sopel went on to star as a National Hockey League defenseman with the Vancouver Canucks, New York Islanders, Los Angeles Kings, Atlanta Thrashers, Montreal Canadiens, and the Chicago Blackhawks. It was only after he hung up his skates that his life off the ice began to make sense. Here's a World of Difference correspondent, Cindy Peterson, with the story. We caught up with NHL hockey player and Stanley Cup winner Brent Sopel. Sopel has had a successful career as a defenseman for most notably the Chicago Blackhawks, the 2010 Stanley Cup champions. But as a child, Sopel struggled with being different and not doing well in school and never knew why until later when he was diagnosed with dyslexia. Oh, my childhood in the classroom was terrible. You know, finding out I was dyslexic later on in life. I struggled every day from the time I walked in at school to the time I left. One of my worst days in classroom, I had plenty of them, but it definitely would have been freshman year, um, early, in the, early in the year, I think, first month, you know, asked to, uh, to stand up in front of the class and read. Well, being dyslexic, um, reading out loud isn't one of our strong suits, and as I'm reading, I'm messing up and saying words that aren't there, and you know, now I've got the whole classroom laughing at me. It definitely impacted my self-esteem. I think about it every day. Uh, it's something I really do think about it every day. Hockey was definitely my salvation. It was a place where I could go and, and not worry about anything to do with school, reading or math or anything like that. My hockey career was as long as it was because I had dyslexia. It, uh, I had to work harder, uh, work ethic, uh, but something called spatial awareness. And my anticipation was definitely because I had dyslexia. Sopel was diagnosed at the age of 32, the same time his daughter was also diagnosed. Yeah, I found out I was dyslexic at the age of 32. Uh, one of my daughters was struggling, took her into a neuropsych, had her tested. Uh, we went back a couple days later and started connecting dots, uh, looking at her answers, and that was all me. Um, so that was a process at the age of 32 of getting diagnosed. You know, I, to, to get an answer at the age of 32, it, it was great for my daughter. I didn't really focus on myself. I was out of school, I was playing hockey. I, you know, I didn't really care about myself. I was more worried about my daughter and getting her the resources and the help. Um, it was nice to find out that I wasn't stupid. There was something there. Sopel always knew he was different, but now that he knows why, he's using his new knowledge to reach out to kids with disabilities through his new documentary. The name of the documentary is Here to Change the World. You know, I've been saying that for a number of years that I'm going to. You know, being dyslexia is one in five and hereditary. I want to take it to the forefront. I never want a kid to feel the way I do. Um, that's why I did it and that's what I'm doing. It's definitely a high goal to change, you know, to change the world, but uh, one step at a time and long ways to go. But, uh, you know, if I can affect one kid at a time as I'm going, um, then it's success. Yes, I've gotten a lot of responses, you know, off the documentary, uh, you know, in a lot of different places from parents, you know, thanking me, um, you know, maybe helping them connect some dots, but um, having that message, just just telling the message that, you know, those kids aren't alone, 
that I'm struggling there with them. Uh, no matter what struggle you're in, you always think you're alone, and that's my message to them. They're not. I want the world to know that dyslexics, you know, uh, get the knock at not being smart. You know, it's actually it's just the opposite. A lot of them are on the higher end of IQ, but we just need to be taught a little bit differently. Yes, we may struggle at certain things, um, but guess what? You know, we excel at others, and every kid is different and just needs to be taught that way. Now Sopel is an advocate for other kids with disabilities, encouraging them to push forward and never give up. As a parent, if you have a kid struggling with dyslexia, you need to pay attention to the self-esteem. You know, if they're doing homework and they're really struggling, close that book, that math question or that science question, whatever, it doesn't matter. That self-esteem is more important. One advice I'd give a kid with dyslexia is you can do it. You know, you may struggle at, uh, at, at reading or, or at math, but it's okay. You, you know, you excel at other things. And I've done it too, so um, just because you're struggling there, you're going to be great at other things, so it's all good. For A World of Difference, I'm Cindy Peterson. Thanks for the story, Cindy. And congratulations, Brent. Your hunger to help, your personal experience, and your competitor's heart are a perfect hat trick for making a difference in changing the narrative around dyslexia. And that brings us to the end of this episode of A World of Difference. How are we doing? Do you like what you're seeing? Are there learning disability issues you'd like us to cover? Are there some features you'd like us to present? Let us hear from you. Your feedback lets us know whether or not we're on the right path or whether we need to alter course to bring you the information that truly helps celebrate and support you on your neurodiversity journey. You can write us at contact at awodtv.org. Meanwhile, you can rewatch this episode or catch up on past episodes at awodtv.org. There you'll find bios of our experts plus downloadable expanded tip sheets. You can also visit the Beacon College Facebook page, clicking on videos and then browsing under series, or view the program on Beacon College's YouTube channel. Podcast lovers can listen on the go on Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and other popular podcasting platforms. On our next episode, we'll look at the benefits of animal-assisted interventions for students who learn differently. Until then, for Andrea Childress, Cindy Peterson, and the Lakefront TV team, I'm Daryl Owens. Thanks for watching.